They don't understand, they don't understand I'm running with the fam, yeah, I love the fam And we gon' serve the one that's from up above And they gon' know it's us by the way we love All my brothers and sisters and all my mothers and fathers And we gon' worship the father and we gon' drown in this water All my brothers and sisters and all my mothers and fathers And we gon' worship the father and we gon' drown in this water Family, family, family Christ died one time for my Welcome to Reformed Dads, where all things are for dads, through dads, and two dads, as well as the aspiring husband and father. I'm your man, Dusty Marshall. I'm a Christian husband, father, hip-hop artist, and co-founder of Irregular for Christ Ministries. I have with me my co-host, Norm, the master's dog, Dunham. How you doing today, brother? I'm good, man. Uh, I am a also a Christian, a father, a, a husband, a uh, podcaster. Um, lover of Christian hip hop and a lot of other things, entertainment wise. And um, yeah, I'm just a, an evangelist. Um, Want to see people saved. Preaching Amen, the gospel. Man. Amen. Well, I'm happy to have you with me, brother. And uh, I'm glad we could do this and sit down and talk. And, you know, it's been a while. It's been, let's see, I think our last episode that we did was in September and uh, Mr. Andrew High School T. Sonkrant, um, he has gone on, he's working on a church plant and he's really focused on that. So um, he won't be joining us anymore, but we got you today and I'm excited about that because you and I have a lot of similar interests and things we like to talk about. And plus you got uh, your Reformed Dads mug, which is always good. <laughs> That's right. Right. I had to work hard to get this mug. I had to drive a long way. You did. You did. I mean, Utah to AZ and you came down. It's not like you came down when it wasn't hot. What'd you come down in July? It was July. Yeah, it was, yeah. it was nice. And we, if we, when we come to Arizona, we want to experience in its full glory. Yeah. Yeah. You, you got the true Arizona, the Phoenix in July, July. <laughs> Absolutely. It seems when I, all the time, when I come down to Arizona, it happens to be like in the middle of summer, 95% of my trips to Arizona have been in the, the miserable months. <laughs> <laughs> and you got to do some, uh, you know, outreach when you came down here, you went to the, what the abortion mill to preach the gospel and be involved in that as well. Absolutely. That was my first time actually doing any kind of ministry at an abortion mill. So it was down there. And now um, weekly up here every Friday, we are at the the abortion mill in Salt Lake City, the Metro Planned Parenthood um, every Friday morning from nine to noon. So praise God. So God is doing some really cool things. This last Friday, we had two people turn away, two couples turn away, man. And it was the first praise time I've God. been there where I can say for sure, I know that they came and they left. So yeah. praise God. Yes. God is praise doing some God really for that. stuff. And that has, it goes a lot along with what we're going to be talking about. You know, on this show, we're focused on encouraging men. Um, we, we are not uh, perfect in any way. Only Christ is perfect. We obviously fall short uh, daily. Um, but the idea here is to, you know, speak about biblical manhood, uh, encourage brothers in the faith to stand on the scriptures when it comes to you know, how God has created the family to be with, uh, you know, Christ being our head of the church and the man being the head of the household and what that means and what that looks like. Uh, but we also want to just talk about, 
man-centered content, you know, things that we enjoy, things that we see in our culture that, uh, you know, we're interested in and, and just right. enjoy that as well. Absolutely. Um, just mentioned the fact that you were just talking about uh, having chickens. And it was funny because I had a conversation with someone just earlier this week, kind of the same thing, talking about wanting to do like a, a teaching people how to build a chicken coop and how important it is just, you know, looking forward in in the immediate future of what seems to be going on with our country and so on. Just how important it is. Just chickens, chickens. Sure. How, how I mean, by themselves can provide eggs. And then, you know, when they get to a point, you can eat them as well. And so they're a, a really good, but yeah. And things that, that, again, men need to know some of these things. And so sure, I need to sure, get yeah. out and get myself some chickens. Yeah. They learn how uh, to build a chicken coop. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. I'll, I'll be learning that this week from a brother of mine, Gabe Johnson, who's uh, been on the show before he's a carpenter nice. and, uh, yeah, he'll be teaching me, you know, about building the coop and, um, I'm excited to learn that. Cause yeah, I mean, I, I didn't learn a lot of, uh, construction skills when I was a kid. It wasn't something that I learned and I, you know, I constantly am seeing things around my house that I wish I knew how to do. Right. Uh, better. And, uh, you know, here's an opportunity that I get to, to learn while we get something. And, and that's kind of what the coop is for us is, you know, teaching my children, um, how to take care of something. Um, and also, you know, we're so disconnected from where our food actually comes from. Um, we, you know, it shows up at the grocery store, we give them their money, their money and, then we have food at home, but, you know, I want to teach my children also. It's like, this takes work. There's a process here and, um, you know, it's fun to, to have pets and chickens, but the purpose that we got the chickens for was for eggs and for meat. So yep, absolutely. Te everything's a teaching experience, everything. right? Absolutely. Everything. We, <laughs> my daughter and I, we're doing homeschooling now. And, and so the other day we had to, uh, her Mima has a, an adjustable bed, a medical adjustable bed, and the, the remote went out on it. And so I brought Opal in while I was trying to fix it to show her, okay, here's what we're doing. And it was like, okay, now we're moving into science now and <laughs> applied sciences, electrician, you yeah. know? And so, but then we ended up just going to the store to buy a new cord because <laughs> it's like, well, the cord is busted. We figured that out and now we need to go buy a new cord. So then we had a field trip to, to finish right out our electronics portion of applied sciences. Yes. Yep. Hands-on learning right there. Right. <laughs> exactly. So one of the things, you know, I wanted to talk about in this episode uh, or in this speech is uh, recently I had listened to a Doug Wilson teaching and he was talking about, you know, some of the things that we can do uh, going forward and specifically this year to, um, equip ourselves spiritually. He talked about how people are loading up on ammunition uh, because right. who knows what's going to be happening in the coming years. The government might knock at your door for something. Who knows? It usually right. happens every, uh, this happens every, you know, election season. Every four years, yep. You know, there's, there's the rush to get guns and ammunition and stores are selling out. But he was, he was speaking on something that wouldn't run out, which is spiritual ammunition. Yep. And uh, he was talking about how we can some some factors, some principles and some things that we can do to cultivate um, spiritual ammunition so that 
whatever happens in our nation over the next few years, we will be prepared, we'll be in community, and we'll be in fellowship, and we'll also remember that Christ is king, he's in control, and that never changes. Um, Also, you get what you pay for. (laughs) Right, exactly. If you know what I mean, like, right. People are, people are appalled at what's going on in a nation, but you get what you pay for. You kill this many innocent children in our nation. You allow uh, things like um, gay mar- marriage and, or gay mirage, as we like to call it. Uh, right. The things like this, gender identity confusion, public school stuff going on. You allow these things to happen in your nation and you get what you pay for. Exactly. Exactly. You know? Right. I mean, it's a misattributed uh, quote, and I don't know who said it, but it wasn't actually Calvin. It's it's flying all over uh, the Facebook and stuff right now. And it's uh, when God judges a nation, he gives them evil rulers. Mm-hmm. And and I saw somebody where it's either it's it's misattributed to Calvin or it's like a combination of a couple of Calvin quotes put together. But the reality is it's true. And I mean, we can even look back biblically and see where God, you know, when, when Israel, you know, when they were on the outs and they were, you know, constantly sinning and doing what they wanted to do, what was right in their own eyes, you know, God would either, you know, raise up a a judge to say, okay, we got to get back on track, or he would turn them over to the, the wicked rulers of the, 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 the land, you know, I mean, we saw, see them going into exile multiple times and, and so on. Um, so yeah, it is reality that when, I mean, we should expect what we've got. I mean, we deserve as a nation, we deserve Joe Biden. Yeah. We deserve Kamala Harris as a nation because of where we are at and just the refusal and, you know, Doug Wilson and his, his spiritual nine millimeter ammo that he, in this, this message that he gave just recently, the state, it was for Christ church, the state of the church, 2021, but I mean, this can be literally applied to the state of the church, to the nation. I mean, this isn't just Moscow. This is right. This is the state of the of any church that is willing to look at the the Bible and go, we want to follow that. We want to we want to serve Christ as King, and not you know Christian nationalism or any of these other things. So, absolutely, yeah. And uh, the things he talked about, you know, very practical. Um, things we can do to ensure that we're prepared uh, for whatever lies ahead, whatever may be coming. Um, And I love, you know, he started with number one, the most practical and very easy is that, and this is something we need to think about because this is something that look is being looked to possibly be taken away from us, especially with the coronavirus is being in church together. Right. Corporate worship, corporate worship, show up, showing up to worship God together with one another um, and hearing the word preached, uh, praising God together. And that was his number one. And everything from that, uh, everything stems from that principle. Um, You know, God, it's a command of God, you know, not to forsake the assembly. Um, and it's needed that we come together corporately, that we um, fellowship, we hear the word preached, uh, and everything else is going to stem from that corporate worship, that hearing of the word preached. Absolutely. 
and and hearing it rightly preached again yes. i mean you've got for for people that are out there who are are stuck in a church that one refuses to come together and actually meet i mean i praise god for like i mean we we mentioned them because they're the churches that i know but refuge here in ogden that we've been meeting together since april we we yeah. one month just to see what was going on and everything else. And, you know, this, this new pandemic, we were, we were down for one month. We did, you know, pastor Brian recorded a message and we'd watch it on our TVs. But then after that month, it was like, look, we're coming back together and we're gathering apology and never broke. Right. right? You guys yeah. never took any time off. Never. And as far as I know, Christchurch didn't either. They did. I think they did some outdoor uh, services like in their yeah. cars and a field and stuff like that. But then at, at some point they were like, this is ridiculous. It is time to come back together into the church building and gather as brothers and sisters and hug each other and shake each other's hands. Yeah. And, you know, being wise about it. I mean, if you're sick, stay home, you know, right. this is like anything else. I mean, you do, you know, there are those of us who, who were like, you know what, Unless it kills me, I'm not calling in sick, right? Unless mm -hmm. I'm bleeding or in the hospital. That's always been my attitude. And now it's like, okay, you know what? I'm going to take a step back and I'm just going to be wise. And if I'm, you know, feeling sick, you know, so there's many times that we've stayed home yeah. just because my daughter's got a cold and we got to make sure, or my yeah. wife working with, with kids and has been exposed multiple times to the coronavirus where she's had students that have come up positive. And it's like, okay, well, you know, especially if it happens on a Friday and we can't get her tested until Monday. Okay. Yeah. We won't go to church this Sunday or she wouldn't go to church this Sunday. You right. Know? And, and so being wise in this stuff, but coming together inside the building and hearing the word rightly teach. And so again, if, if you're in a church, you know, there's so many people that are like in these wishy washy, you know, I will call him squishy and he will be my squishy church. <laughs> right. Um, sorry, Nemo reference. I'm, I've got a four-year-old daughter, yeah. um, but, um, you know, these people that are just like still doing online services or whatever, it, this is no longer a time to stay inside these, these dead churches and try to bring life and trying to bring change. It's time to get with like-minded believers inside a church that is actually gathering and worshiping and breaking down God's word, according to God's word and rightly dividing the word of God and yes. get with those brothers and sisters and build a community for Christ in your cities. Yes, absolutely. And I think, you know, some of the, the reasons why these churches are no longer gathering is because the gathering of these is is man-centered rather than god-centered right it's it's about uh pleasing and making sure people feel safe rather than the word and foundation of god and i'm glad you said that is teaching properly uh teaching the word of god um i think you know in this pandemic, and I'm going to use quotes in the pandemic, uh, you can't see that, but that's what I'm saying. You see that many of these churches, which have stayed shut down, I'm glad a lot of them have stayed shut down. Absolutely. Uh, you know, they're got, under God's judgment, he's going to separate the sheep from the goats. That's something that he does when judgment comes, when persecution of the church comes, 
And I'm not going to say that this is a heavy persecution, but it's, it's something, you know, it's something different um, that there's going to be sheep and goats separated. And I am grateful for some of these churches that are man-centered, that are really businesses in the business of church. I'm glad a lot of these churches are shutting down. I'm glad um, some of these places because, you know, there's a separation between, you know, wheats and tares, if you want to call Absolutely. it that, Absolutely. you know? Yeah. The, the, the places that are, are just feeding goats. Yeah. Shut them down. And, you know, and those that are going to remain goats can wander around and, and look for whatever their itching ears want to hear. And the, those that God has called to be sheep are going to find a good church in their area where they can come together and, and be fed. Yes. You know? And so, yeah, I, I'm absolutely, I'm glad that to see some of these uh, silly centers uh, shut down, you know, the, yeah. the places that are, I mean, again, Charles Spurgeon said there, there's going to come a day. I don't, the, I don't have the exact quote, but there's going to come a day when instead of shepherds faithfully feeding the sheep, there will be clowns entertaining the goats. Mm. And I mean, right. and, and the state of the church in, in the United States has, I mean, overwhelmingly gone that direction where you've got people like Joel Osteen and Ed Young Jr. And, and stuff like that, where they're just up there literally being clowns, providing entertainment, and they're yeah. not providing any kind of, of doctrinal, uh, you know, guidelines or, or anything. No, no real substantive teaching of the word of God. They're just, they're entertaining the goats. Yeah, the, the life coaching isn't going to help you during this time. There's Absolutely no not. there's no amount of life coach that's going to help uh, enrich your spirit. Uh, this is a, these are spiritual matters. These are, these are things that Scripture speaks on, and um, when we go to church, where our spirit is being fed, and if you're malnourished then the pandemic's going to look a lot uh, scarier to you, you know? So, so that's number one. So number one is get in a church, be in fellowship, hear the word preached, praise God, um, praise and worship him. Uh, That was his first principle for this year is if you're not nourishing that portion, um, it's going to be, you're going to have a tough season. You're going to have a tough year this year, or you're going to have a tough time, no matter what's going on, you know? So that was number one. Number two, I believe what he spoke on. And, and this is something, you know, in our, in our marriages, you know, we need to, um, we need to be, you know, deeply. And he, he talks about just in, in marriages, um, that richness in the relationship between the husband and wife and, you know, I'm going to take it a step further that as, as husbands, we're going to need to lead in a way that shows that Christ is in the correct position, right? We're going to, Absolutely. everything's going to flow down from, from us. If, if the, if we're in disarray, if we're in worry, well, that's going to transfer into the family. For sure. For sure. Yeah. He, he made the comment that, uh, you know, men don't lead by serving, we, we serve by leading yes. in our family. We serve our marriages by leading. And, and, and again, that can come back around into leading by serving and, and so on. But we need to lead. We, we yeah. truly do. And, and so many 
points and, and places again as we, as we look at like sheep and goats where where you don't have churches that are regularly preaching on biblical manhood and what it looks like to be a a a father and a a husband you know then it's it it just becomes squishy and they they let their wives lead they you know they fall under they they buy into the the thing that is said that you know man may be the ha- the head of the household but the wife is the neck and that directs it <laughs> you know, no no that's not it you know we need to be men and we need to lead and and we need to have again it comes it comes right back to number 1 we need to be involved in in churches and discipleship and mentorship where that can be taught to men on how we lead what it is to be a, a husband and a father and what it looks like to lead with, like you said, with Christ in the right place where we're leading, where we're not leading out of fear of, you know, what's going to happen next week, who's going to be the next president, anything. We lead by putting Christ on the throne and saying that, that no matter what, we are looking towards him and we are going to continue in the manner of leading as a Christian husband. And that means we're not concerned about you know, who's the president? We, cause Christ is King and right. Jesus is going to have his way. And if, if next week that, you know, the Congress passes a law that says it's illegal for me to stand in front of a, an abortion clinic to, to preach the gospel and, and beg for the lives of children, then I'm going to go out there. I'm going to stand there and I'm going to be put in handcuffs and right. I'm going to rely on Christ when he says that, you know, preaching the gospel is, is, you know, amount of what we need to do. That's what we do as Christians. We yes. share the gospel with people and that, that falls into leading my family. I mean, the first place I need to share the gospel is inside my home Yeah, and act in that way. And then that, that feeds into everything else. Yes. And I love what you said, you know, you, 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 this is one of the reasons why I thought it was so important to bring back this podcast is because man, we need men to be men in this time. Right. right. We, we need uh, we need men to do what men are called to do in leading their families and we need them to do it well. Um, and, you know, you talked about churches that preach the gospel. Uh, we need not just we need biblical examples in our pastors. Right. We need we right. need men leading our churches and and leading uh, the charge from the pulpit. And uh, I'm very grateful for my church. Yesterday, we had a sermon, and the sermon was about uh, how Daniel handled what was going on in his time, you know, with with the, the law being passed that if you don't pray, to, if you pray to anyone else besides the king for 30 days, that you're thrown into the lion's den. Right. And uh, what Pastor James spoke on was the fact that Daniel didn't do anything that he wasn't already doing, doing. faithfully, right? He, he, it's not like he went out and looked for a fight. He just remained faithful doing what he was doing and what he had been called to do in his Amen. prayer life. And that was enough to get him thrown into the lion's den, and we, as you said, we need to continue to do 
what God has called us to do faithfully. If we're out preaching the gospel at abortion clinics now, we should be doing the same when it's putting you in handcuffs. If you're doing street evangelism right now somewhere, you should still be doing that regardless of what the law says, because we must obey Christ rather than men. Absolutely. so, so yeah, we, we need to be involved in these things still, and we need to be, as you said, preaching that same message in our homes. Family worship is going right. to be something that's huge for us right now, right? We need right. to be exactly. praising God in our households, with our children, singing. You know, he, he talks about singing the Psalms. Um, the Psalms are set up, if you look at them, to um, deal with persecution to, to right. come against it. And it's a, it's a weapon in our tool belt that we can sing in praise together. And that's something that I'm just learning now. I'm not a big Psalm singer, but I downloaded an app and um, I'm going to start instituting that in our family worship as well. Absolutely. I'm Pastor Brian here in Ogden at Refuge. And again, you talk about thankful for the pastors that are actually doing this and giving that example of what it is to be a man. Um, He's creating, uh, he's got a Spotify channel and he's releasing an EP coming up of where he's taken Psalms and and put them to music and, and so on. And he's, I mean, I think his goal is to do all 150. So we'll, we'll see. I mean, 119 is going to be really long, (laughs) but, (laughs) but you know, um, 20 minute track. Exactly. But, you know, so that is, and that, me too, I'm, I'm the same place as you. I'm, I'm not done a whole lot of Psalms. Um, I mean, there's a few songs. I came out of the vineyard mo- movement, right? I mean, I was in some really bad teaching there, but one of the things that was really nice about the vineyard was the music that was there. For the most part, I would say probably 70% of the music that came out of the vineyard at least 10 years ago when I was there was pretty biblically sound, pretty well done. Um, And so that's always been, you know, where I'm at and very few Psalms came out of that. But this, this, you know, this, uh, I think I, the first time I kind of got this was from pastor Callie out in California uh, talking about Psalms. Any, any, he's, he'll make comments like anything that's not a Psalm is secular music. Ah. <laughs> I'm like, all right, man. So, but I mean, it is. And, and, you know, to hear more and more and to actually sing them in church, you know, yeah. and especially, in, and, you know, being up at the, um, the conference, the grace agenda last year, and to have, such a good emphasis put on singing of Psalms and gathering together and lar- and men singing loudly. And again, coming back to that whole thing of men, raise your voices, yeah. you know, don't be, don't be sissies. I mean, we got a bunch of guys that are, are willing to go and I, I'm guilty um, of this at times myself, not anymore. I'm, I probably try to sing louder than anyone in church, hmm. um, to my wife's chagrin, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I was a guy that I would go out to the baseball game and I would literally lose my voice heckling baseball players. I'm that, <laughs> I'm that guy. Hey, bada, bada, bada swing. Uh-huh. And I mean, I'm loud and I would literally lose my voice, but then sing like a, no pun intended, a church mouse on hmm. Sundays. And men, you got to get your voices up there. You got to raise your voices. And you, I mean, music, God made music and God made the foundation of music, the bass note for a reason. 
and he wants his men to get that thundering bass and baritone up there to to support the foundation of his psalms and that's got to be men's voices raised loudly and singing together with their families with their churches yeah. uh, with communities if we can start getting them i know that you know we've we've seen christ church host these psalm scenes and and stuff like that where it's not just their church showing up it's other people showing up that want to be part of it and yeah. creating a community for christ in your area where these things are happening so Yes, yeah. yes, absolutely. So, you know, community in the church, community as the husband leads the household, family worship for those of you who aren't already doing family worship, something that has honestly changed the dynamic of my family when we sing, read the Bible together and pray as a family. It's something that... Um, is I wasn't I was I came up in a mega church originally and until I got to Apologia and heard men talking about family worship I had no idea, but uh, you know my family we set aside twenty minutes uh, or so every day and we sing songs we read the Bible together and we pray together and that has changed the dynamic of our family and the idea there you know is that God has commanded us to raise up our children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. It is our job as men to raise up our family that way, to wash our wives in the word. It's not uh, the youth pastor's job. Nothing against youth pastors or any of those things. That's you, you're, you decide that in your church, go for it. But at the end of the day, we are going to stand before God as fathers, and we are going to be judged for how we brought up our families. The youth pastor won't. Amen. Bottom Absolutely. line. Absolutely. <laughs> and and that's a sobering thought. That is, that is a really sobering thought for a lot of men who, who, again, like we come from a background where we never had that. Yeah. Where we never had that, you know, um, I saw a meme the other day going around Facebook and it was, uh, what do women pastors and youth pastors have in common? And it's neither one of them exist. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I'm like, okay, well, you know, I don't mind having a youth pastor that, that spends, but we have to have, don't separate your kids out of church. Yeah. You know? You know, I mean, have a have a special time for them to hang out with people of their age group during the week, just like you have men's ministries and stuff like that, where men are getting together and doing that's there's nothing wrong with that. But if you've relegated the teaching of the youth from the, the senior pastor or the teaching pastor in the church to someone else to give them something lighter you're doing them a disservice. You truly yeah. are. And then again, it comes back to if you as a man are not taking what you're learning from the pastor with your children sitting next to you in the service and bringing that home and throughout the week, helping them to understand that, then, then you're not doing what God has called you to do. And that yeah. falls in with, you know, family worship and, and so on catechism. Yep. Whatever it is that you are doing to, to, give your children the the knowledge of the Lord that they need. Um, it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be sugar-coated and lightened. Right. You know, we, we teach our kids. It's like you taking your kids with you to, you know, to do ministry at the abortion mill. And I've taken Opal a couple of times, you know, my wife is a little concerned about, <laughs> you know, safety and stuff like that. And I'm like, you yeah. know, at this point, I mean, I've had a couple of guys who have approached me, but nothing has ever gone down. And I'm like, you know yeah. what? I, I think it's good for kids to see 
the reality of it. You know, sure. my biggest concern was what was Opal going to think, you know, at four years old about the graphic images on the signs that we have out there. And sure. I really think it almost, it's almost like God protected her from that because she didn't even notice them. Mm-hmm. The, the first couple of times I had her out there with me, um, you know, she didn't even, didn't even say anything, didn't even notice the signs. Yeah. So, you know, I'm like, okay, I'm not, I'm not. And if it does come down to it, then I'll, I'll explain what, what's sure. going on. But that's yeah. what we have to be doing as, as dads is leading our, our kids. And we don't, we don't, there's not a gospel light for children. Right. You know, it is, it's the same gospel for a four-year-old that it is for, you know, a 40 something year old. So, yeah. Yes. Yeah. No, I, I, I like that you brought that up uh, because, you know, something that Douglas Wilson talked about, and I think this is just a, an important principle and, you know, you and I being involved in abortion mill ministry, which is dangerous and there is, there should be concern, right? There uh, right. absolutely should be concern. Something could, could happen as is uh, just being uh, standing in your, it's part of standing in your faith. You know, it's, it's part of being a Christian um, and it's going to become more and more uh, prevalent that we're going to be considering, um, you know, are we training up our children to conform to what the government has told them? Or are we conforming them to do what Christ has told us to do, what God has told us to do? And, you know, Douglas Wilson said that we shouldn't, we shouldn't be training up dragon slayers and then pray that the dragon never comes. Right. Exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like we're bringing up our children in a world that is very hostile to the gospel, that is hostile to the biblical message because it, the scriptures are offensive uh, to, to the unbeliever. And um, you know, that it's it's hostility in a hostile world but you know what we are training up um dragon slayers we are training up the, them to stand firm in the faith and it's part of their training right to be be next to dad um standing on the truth and if they don't see it it then it's just an idea that we keep telling them it's it's not it's not physical now as a dad you, you have been given the authority by God to oversee your family, to govern your family and decide if it's time for your children to be there with you, what they are and aren't involved in. But I will say this, that you are not going to be able to shield your children from sin. So stop trying to do so. Absolutely. There are things that you can minimize and, you know, we do need to think about what goes into our eyes, children's eyes and things like that. But if you think that you can all out shield them from sin, that you can shield them from persecution, you are not doing them a service. You are not bringing them up in the world that we live in and they will not be prepared when it comes. Right. Exactly. Absolutely. I mean, just thinking about what you just said there, um, you know, this last over the last two weeks, um, I don't know if you've watched the Cobra Kai series. Um, I have not, but um, so I mean, I was a huge Karate Kid fan. Opal seen Karate Kid the movies and wants to learn karate. I took her niece in the bedroom the other day to try to teach her karate, <laughs> and of course, it was like 
40 seconds later, it's like thud. It's like, oh my gosh. But, yeah. you know, so we started watching the, the third season of Cobra Kai and uh, realizing, or well, my wife started watching the first season because she had never actually watched any of it. And I was like, okay, catch up. And we started watching it and we had Opal in. And I mean, it the, just the language and suddenly we're like, oh, wait a minute. Okay, let's stop this. This will be something we watch on our own. But yeah. then, I mean, immediately the next morning, my wife turns on her her typical, I don't know what uh, political podcast she listens to, something through that she's found through the Blaze and Stephen Crowder and stuff like that. Okay. But I'm I'm now I'm hypersensitive to this, and I'm hearing the podcasts, and I mean the dude is dropping like f bombs. Yeah. And I'm like, and I'm like, whoa, wait a minute, let's stop and and go. Okay, we just turned off the the Karate Kid because of language, but now we're, we're, we're pumping this into our ears. And, but it, again, it's a, the reality of we're never going to get away from it. Sure. It's, I mean, even if we're trying to support, you know, whether it's Christian or not, but some kind of conservative, uh, you know, worldview that's coming out there as well. It's coming yeah. all over the place. And, and again, we're never going to shield our kids from sin completely. We have to be careful of what they see and what they hear and, you know, and, and be guardians, but yeah. it's there. It is yeah. out there. And, you know, again, if we're going to teach our children the gospel, the good news doesn't make sense without the bad news. And the, the huge portion of the bad news is, we are sinful. We are yeah. totally depraved and we live in a fallen world where it is totally depraved. And so we have to be able to go, okay, this is what you've heard. Let me explain to you why that is sin and yeah. why mommy and daddy don't want you to hear that. Yes. Yes. But this is what we need to do and use those things. Um, I remember there was a, a radio station in, in, Colorado, I think years ago that I listened to when I lived there and they would, uh, they had a commercial where they were like, um, we don't do certain commercials because we don't want you to have to have that conversation with your kid. I think they had had a divorce lawyer. Okay. That, that makes a, there's an, an oxymoron for you, a divorce uh -huh. lawyer advertising on a Christian radio station. But they took something off. I don't remember what it was, but they were like, we're not going to play these commercials because we don't want you to have that uncomfortable conversation with your kids. Yeah. And I'm like, no, I want to have that conversation with my kids. And it shouldn't be an uncomfortable conversation. I'm a Christian man who understands right. we live in a fallen world. And I need to be able to explain that fallenness and why it is fallen to my kids. Absolutely. And so we need to have that. Yeah. And, and that's another great principle we can lead into is the confession of sin in our lives. He, he, Douglas Wilson talks about the confession of sin in our lives um, and not hiding it, not holding it under the rug. When we go to do our communion in our churches that, uh, you know, our sin, our, we need to expose sin uh, because it's going to be exposed either way. And we need to not pretend like we are not sinners, that there that right. sin doesn't plague this world. Daddy needs to be able to apologize to his wife and his daughter for his sins. That is part of being a man. Absolutely. That is biblical manhood. Absolutely. We are under we need to show our children that we are the authority, but also we are under authority. authority. 
Yep, we are under God, Christ's authority. And the way that we do that is that we are accountable to God just as they are accountable. And that when we sin, and which I do often in my household, that I need to ask forgiveness and to confess that sin to my wife, to my children. And, you know, one of the things Douglas Wilson talks about in one of his books and his teaching is one of his principles, and this was in, I think, Reforming Marriage, the last book we went over, is his principle for apologizing is he apologizes in the same manner of the sin that he committed. So if he sins against God toward his wife um, and his children heard, then he apologizes to his wife with his children around. Right. And, and I think that that's a good principle. I don't think necessarily, you know, I, I sinned against my wife in some way uh, or I, I wronged my wife in some way. I need to pull my children into the room and let them hear daddy apologize. Right. But I think a principle of I, I committed this sin in front of these people, I am going to um, confess, confess and ask for forgiveness in front of these people. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it actually, um, it struck me the other, and I think it was actually before I even listened to this, this message. Um, I think it was this Sunday, this last Sunday at church or the Sunday before, but as we do communion, the way we do communion, um, is, you know, we, we talk about what the bread is and the, the, the wine and, and so on. And then we say at this point, we're going to take a moment to individually silently pray to God and confess our sins. And then we, we have a corporate prayer of corporate confession um, together where one of the elders leads us in a prayer of confession. And then we, we take communion and it, it struck me as I was sitting there and we're going through this, it's like, okay, you're confessing your sin to God, but have you confessed that sin to the one, the person you sinned against? Yeah. Um, you know, have you confessed to your wife? Have you confessed to your kids? Any of these things, you know, um, and it, 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 it was kind of a, okay, some of these, yes, I have, but some of the sin I've committed this week, I haven't, you know, um, you know, and, and it's like things that like at work, you know, I've been angry at my boss. Have I gone to my boss? I mean, I've, I've gotten much better about going to my wife and confessing what I need to confess to her and, and repenting when I need to repent to her. But it's one of those things that I'm like, I don't know that I ever think about you know, okay, I've, I've had a lot of anger toward my boss. I've not gone and, and repented and asked him to forgive me. I mean, and then it's like, well, he probably doesn't even know. He might know. And whether he does or not, you've sinned, you've yeah. got to do it. And so, yeah. you know, so many times again, and I think Doug even mentioned some of this as he talked about being honest about sin, that we get into our place where we're like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm confessing to God, I'm good, yeah. right? Well, no, that's not what the word says. It says we need to confess, but we also need to confess one to another. Yeah. So whether that's, you know, going to your elders and confessing, maybe it's a sin that you've committed that you can't, you, you don't have the opportunity to find that person and confess to them. Then go to your elders and go, Hey, here, look, this is what, you know, I mean, I remember doing that when a couple of years back when we went and saw the movie unplanned Yeah. and we took my daughter and, and she was two at the time. And so we knew there was this, this uh, kind of questionable scene that was going to mm -hmm. be in there where there was an abortion performed. 
I didn't realize it was right at the beginning of the movie. I don't know if you've seen the movie or not. I have not. No. Um, it's actually not a bad movie. It's it's like, well, you know, I mean, there it has its issues. And Abby Johnson, you can go on down that rabbit trail. But so as we sat and we watched it and it's like within the first five minutes. And so when I'm at the point where I'm realizing this is that scene, I'm trying to hand my daughter to my wife to take her out. But there's the scene is, is you're looking up and they're showing the ultrasound and the doctor's making crass comments about what he's doing and so on. But then, and the music is building and dun, 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 dun. And then there's this boom and the baby is gone out of the picture. And my two-year-old daughter starts shouting at the top of her lungs, where'd the baby go? Where'd the baby go? And all the way out of the room, as my wife is carrying her through the theater, if there was a pro-choice person in that room at that moment, they had a lot to think about because my two-year-old recognized it. But then as I'm thinking about it, I went to my elders the next Sunday and I said, I may have sinned against my daughter. And I don't know that she fully understands what this means, but I need to repent. I think I need to repent for putting her in that situation. And so we need to be confessing one to another. I mean, that's a short story long. Yes. Um, No, no, it's good. It's it's, good to hear that. I'm glad you said that too, because not only is it good to confess, but in these times and in any time, something that we need to stand on is truth. Mm-hmm. the the truth because that's that's what we have in these times the unbeliever doesn't have the truth the unbeliever is going to distort the truth the truth is not important to them it's uh feelings and uh po- political correctness uh if you want to say that whatever's right. whatever's corporately accepted right now or or popularly accepted that's what's important we need to stand in tr- on truth in this time. And part of, part of truth is I'm a sinner. And when I sin, I need to confess it. And um, so, so the principles we talked about, corporate worship, uh, you know, how we uh, interact with our wives and our family, um, confession of sin, singing the Psalms and the Psalter, uh, you know, is, is something that we have. Um, and something you know, that I want to talk about in this time and this relates to many of the other areas is community. We need community right now. We don't need isolation. Christians, we need to be in community with one another. We don't need to isolate and hunker down. If something goes down, if something happens, we need to be tight-knit in community, knowing that we can stand side by side with one another, that we can support one another. We don't need to hunker down in isolation and separate ourselves from everything. Cause that's not how we were created to live. Right. You exactly. know, exactly. It's, you know, we, we are in, we are not of the world, but we are in the world. And he were put here for a reason. You know, one thing that, that, that kind of rings with, and, and this is, it's a little different. I mean, I, Facebook is not community, right? No, let me make sure that you hear me when I say men, Facebook is not community, but you shouldn't be running from Facebook or Twitter or any of these places just because they shut down the president. You know, you should still be, because I mean, it's a, it's a microcosm of the bigger thing that is in the world. If we're not willing to be in there where there are, you know, other 
opinions expressed and stuff like that, then how much more are we not going to be willing to go out into the world? And so, I mean, explore these other opportunities. There's a, you know, talking about honesty and sin and stuff like that relating to the same kind of situation. I went and created a MeWe account the other day because, yeah. you know, Facebook is shutting us all down. So we got to find these free speech alternatives. And that's great. I, I'm all about people creating new platforms and stuff like that. Yeah. But within literally within 30 minutes, I've created my we, MeWe account. The first person I added was Steve Dace because he's a podcast that I listen to. He's a Christian man. Um, everything kind of from a Christian worldview that he talks about politics. And so he had said, you know, I'm over on MeWe and, and check this out. So I added him. And then I'm looking through and I, I don't remember even what hashtag I clicked on, but I clicked on a hashtag and I start scrolling down and literally within 20 minutes of being on the site, bam, I'm hit with nudity. Uh-huh. I mean, full frontal. And I was like, boom, gone, uninstalled off my phone. You're out. Yeah. But then I had to come home, honesty and sin. I had to yeah. come home and go, honey, you're going to get my covenant eyes report this weekend <laughs> and this is going to be there yeah. and you know and covenant eyes is great i mean if you don't have covenant eyes you need to have covenant eyes and make your wife your accountability partner on covenant eyes best thing i ever did helped me kick my porn addiction faster than anything because if dusty is my accountability partner on covenant eyes and I got a whole bunch of garbage that pops up, I can have the conversation. It doesn't hurt me to have the conversation with dusty and go, mm. man, I screwed up. I got her. I'm repenting again. I'm going to do better this week. I don't want to have that conversation with my wife <laughs> or even, your pastor. <laughs> right. Even <laughs> when it comes up accidentally, like it did this week, I didn't want to come back and tell her, look, I, I saw some other woman full frontally nude. It was for a a third of a second and it was gone, but yet still that was enough to cause me to sin against you. I apologize. You're going to see this on my report. And that's exactly a a good point is why we need community, right? Absolutely. Because he who looks to isolate himself looks to like do his own thing, right? If, if you're looking to isolate yourself, you're seeking your own desires and it's a lot easier to fall into temptation. And I probably butchered that proverb, but that's the the gist of it. (laughs) Exactly. And again, we need to have, we need to have fellow Christians around us that are, are, you know, walking through this stuff with us. It, it, again, it's just the same thing as coming back to a, a church where there is corporate worship. The church isn't just a Sunday thing. We right. should be, you know, Doug talked about hospitality and opening, yes. you know, if, if we are in community, we should know what each other's houses look like. And to my, to my detriment and my sin, and we keep making excuses about it with my pastor, he's been in a new home that he built like four years ago and I have still not been there. Mm. And it's like, cause we always just have different things. Even during the time that I served as an elder at my church and we were together every single week, he'd never been there. You know, no one in my church yet, maybe one or two people have seen my new addition to my basement Mm. because you know, the holidays and everything else. And we, we come up with these excuses. We do. We are so good at excuse making, but we have got to get open up our homes, be hospitable and be actively living life together with the people that we call our brothers and sisters. Yes. That's the one thing for me. Like I struggle. I like to isolate myself. I was an only child. I like to 
do my own thing and spend time with my family. And it's real easy for me to come up with an excuse why not to go over to somebody's house or why it's inconvenient. But, you know, I've sat down with my wife this year and we've committed that we know that we need to be celebrating and praising and fellowshipping and showing hospitality. We need to be in each other's houses and in a joyous occasion, feasting and fellowshipping because, man, the rest of the world right now is just so worried and uncertain. Our example needs to be a joyful noise unto the Lord. And like you said, being in each other's homes and um, praising God with other families, fellowshipping. And while it may seem the easy thing to do is just stay home, isolate, hunker down. We don't need to be making excuses for why not. We need to be making excuses for why that is the one of the most important things that we can do in our week is to see the inside of our brother and sister's house hospital and have time and fellowship together because man, things look bleak if you turn on the television, but you're, if you're in your brother and sister's home, praising God, feasting and fellowshipping, singing the Psalms together, being merry. Well, wow. I I didn't even see what happened on the news today. Right. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm thinking about it and even, you know, one thing that, that, will do quite often those of us who aren't don't have the gift of hospitality right is we'll just say hey let's get together and have breakfast you know let's meet at such and such a place and have breakfast and what this coronavirus should have done for those of us who i mean because i have I have two guys that i have been praying with together for 10 years on at least once a week and you know when the coronavirus hit I was in a place where I was like, okay, we're going to meet at my office at six Mm. o'clock in the morning and we're still going to get together and pray. Well, when I quit that job and now I have a a place where I work graveyard shifts and I'm not, don't have an office. Well, now that doesn't work. And so then it became, well, we need to find a place that's open at six o'clock in the morning where I'm getting off of work, where we can get together. And with coronavirus, nothing was open. None of our coffee shops, we couldn't go in. And so that fell by the wayside. And what should have happened was instead of doing that, it should have been meet me at my house yeah. at six o'clock and we'll do it here, you know, rather than, you know, well, our favorite restaurant's been shut down because of Corona or you have to wear a mask and I refuse to wear a mask. So I'm not going to go there. So we just stopped fellowshipping to my sin, my sin. I never said, let's do it at my house. And so but we need to start doing that. We need to be doing that. We need to, you know, and, and the coronavirus has helped us. I mean, there's so many things that, that we can take out of this, this ridiculous pandemic and say, you know, the way that the secular society responded to it and we can use that. I've used that as things when I'm outside of the abortion mill, you know, preaching and talking to moms who want to kill their kids. And I'm like, look, You've been told you can't get an education if you have a baby, but coronavirus has shown us that we can do all kinds of school at home online. You don't have to go to a school. You don't even have to go to work to have a job anymore. 
You right. can get jobs that are all working from home. So right. none of that should be an excuse for you to kill your child because we've been shown that that doesn't work. Right. And so, I mean, and, and it, it comes into community as well. We shouldn't stop gathering together because we can't get together at our favorite restaurant and have breakfast once a month. Come over to my house. I'll break out some eggs and, and, apologize for my horrible cooking. It's not going to be as good as our favorite restaurant, but I will cook you a meal and we will sit down and we will gather and we will pray and we will worship God. Yes. Yes. And, uh, you know, as men, we, and I recommend, so this last year, you know, um, with, with the idea of us making decisions, uh, to, to do what we've been called to do by God, um, this last year, our church uh, did a study on, I think it's Gary DeMar's book, God and Government. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm so glad we did uh, because it really clarified the areas of where where the government biblically has jurisdiction and where they don't. Right. And um, God has given us our, he's given us the ability to self-govern ourselves. And then he's given husbands the government of governing our family. He's given the church the authority to govern the church. Yep. He's, he's given, you know, civil government. Um, he's given them the authority to punish the evildoer uh, and to praise, uh, give praise to those who deserve it and um, to fund the punishing of the evildoer. So with that all said, there is a jurisdiction that the federal government does have, but the, 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 where they don't have authority is over the church, right. in our homes uh, as fathers, and we, they don't have the authority to tell us what we do, and we don't teach our children. They don't have the authority to tell me uh, the decisions that I make now, if I break the rules, they have the power to, to, you know, punish me. (laughs) Um, but what I'm, I say all this to say that we need to approach our household as if we have been given the authority by God, which we have to govern our household. Our church needs to oversee the church as if they've been given the authority to oversee the church, which they have not the fed, the federal government doesn't have that right. It's not their job. The County, the local government, none of those spheres of government have the right to, to uh, govern those areas. And we need to remember that we need to remember that it's very important. Um, they are overstepping the authority that they have been given by God when they do those things, when they tell the church that they need to shut down, that they can't meet, they are overstepping their uh, God-given civil authority. So uh, we need to remember that. Amen. Amen. Yeah. And just the recognition that, that we, there is a, a, realm of what government can and can't do and telling the church when and when they can't meet that the government can't do that. They're not allowed to do that. I mean, we literally, it was written into the constitution because the founding fathers of this nation knew what happens to governments. They saw, you know, at 
the the trajectory of what happens when tyranny hits and you know where uh, a king says i don't like what this church is teaching i'm going to shut them down and create this and make this the official church and and so on and so they wrote it into our constitution that the and god put it into the Bible, when we, we look at, at Romans and the things that, you know, everyone always talks about Romans 13 and, you know, submitting to governments and, and so on. Well, okay, let's look at that in the proper context of what the word says completely. What is the role of government? It is right. to wield the sword. It is to punish the evildoer. That is it. That is what the God has given the government to do. And then he breaks down everything else. And we need to look at that as Christians and, and make that stand as, as Christian dads, as, as fathers in our homes, as husbands to our wives, we need to, it starts with us. Right. Again, Doug Wilson talked about that in, in this message where this is where it starts. Revival starts with me. Yes. It starts with me getting on my knees and getting myself in the right place with God and then getting my family walking down that path rightly with God and then being part of a church that is led by elders that are rightfully dividing the word of God and leading people and then becoming communities with like-minded churches and so on. And, and, you know, the, the concentric circles just get bigger and bigger and bigger, but it starts with me and my relationship with Christ and where am I at and where am, what am I doing? And, you know, am I going to be a coward and, and, and not do what God's called me to do and count on, you know, a $600 stimulus check or whatever, hmm. or am I going to do what God has called me to do? And I'm going to go out and be a man. And if, you know, if my job is requiring me to, to do something that I can in good conscience do, then it's time to go find something else or build something else. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Um, building something yourself, uh, you know, starting, remember that you are called to provide for your family. So you make your decisions based on that. But as my brother said, you let your, your conscience and you let the word of God be your guide in the decisions you make in your workplace. Hey, maybe your work requires you to wear a mask. That's a decision that you're going to have to make and that you're going to consciously have to make. Remember that you have been called to provide for your family. So you, but here's the thing you have been given the authority to make that decision. Right. Nobody exactly. else, nobody else is given, has the authority to make you make that decision. Okay. Right. You make the decision, you make it based on what God is calling you to do and that you are a man who is called to pr- provide for his family. Now make the decision. That's how we Absolutely. approach things. Um, you know, I, I want to recommend uh, a couple books in this season that you can be reading that might help you along the way. A couple books that have encouraged me in this time. Um, God and Government has been one by Gary DeMar, which is uh, speaks on the proper spheres uh, that government actually has. Uh, it's self-governing church government. Uh, it's a very thick, it's a very big book. It's a long read, but it's a good one. Um, something that that I've been reading lately is uh, Rules for Reformers by Douglas Wilson. That's that's a, a, a good one. Um, if something's going on in your marriage, you need a strengthening in your family or your marriage. Uh, Reforming Marriage by Douglas Wilson. Um, family Driven Faith by Vodi Bauckham. 
Um, if you want something about raising your children, uh, you know, one that's good that we did in our book study is Why Children Matter by Douglas Wilson. There's so much good stuff out there. Do you have any recommendations, brother? Something I would that- say, and I, I just ordered it. I haven't read it, but like everybody in my church is reading it right now. It's a doctrine of the lesser magistrate by Trevella. Uh-huh. Yes. Um, I've heard that's really good. I've ordered it from Canon press. Um, so hopefully I've got that soon. Um, other than that, I've, I've, I think the last book I actually read and read through was why children matter. Um, uh, so, but that's a really good one. Um, as far as, yeah, that would be my recommendations right now. And I really want to get this God in government by DeMar and, uh, so this is this is going to be my reading year, um, I hope. Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> I'm, and I'm, that, I'm gonna let you hold me accountable to that, brother, because <laughs> I, I am so bad at reading. And I what what'll happen is instead of buying the book and reading it, I'll get the audio, uh-huh. and I'll listen. I mean, I've listened to a lot of books, but I couldn't tell you that I've really gained a whole lot because when I listen, it's while I'm working or something else, and I'm so easily distracted. Yeah. Um, you know, and so I really want to make this year more of a hands-on, whether it's actually Kindle or something, but not just trying to to listen, but actually yeah. reading some really good books. So if we do with Reformed Dads, if we do another book study anytime soon, I'm yeah. actually going to hopefully try to make sure I'm part of that. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, you know, not to promote anything, uh, but Kindle I saw recently was doing like two months free um, Audible was doing, uh, like 30 days free and you can download two books. Right. You know, I, I, uh, I read a book, um, last year called productivity by Douglas Wilson. And it's mm-hmm. really encouraged me. I don't know if you've checked that one out, but it's, uh, it's about plotting away, you know, re- I'm not a big reader. I I've never have been, but, um, I can read uh, a book over months, you know, I can spend 15 minutes a day reading a book. Uh, And then if I do that every day, I'll get, I'll get through a book, you know, in a couple months, a couple of months. Yeah. So it's, it's possible. And especially with a lot of the Douglas Wilson books that we mentioned, I mean, we're talking about hundred page books that you could probably get through. My wife just finished, um, one of his daughter's books. Uh, what was it? Um, Loving the Little Years by Rachel. I Rachel Jankovic. Yes. Yeah. Loving the Little Years. She, she, my wife was like, you know what? I'm going to try this uh, plotting away. She read, you know, 10 pages a day and nice. she finished the book yesterday. <laughs> you know what I right. mean? It's 10 days, right? She finished the book 10 pages a day. Not a big deal. So nice. that's something I recommend if uh, I'm not cool. a big, yeah, I'm not a big reader yeah. either. And if, you know, there's a lot of really good theological books and stuff like that. Let me make a recommendation. If there's some, if you want to just grab something fiction, um, you know, and you don't want to do the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit again, (laughs) um, (laughs) Steve Dace has written a really good book and he wrote it years ago called A Nefarious Plot. And it's in the manner of the screw tape letters. Um, And it's, it's, it's got a, a big political uh, center to it, but that was a really good book. Um, you know, read the screw tape letters if you've never read that, but then read a nefarious plot. And he just did a sequel to it called a nefarious Carol, um, which is in the vein of a Christmas Carol, um, 
kind of along the same thing. So those are two uh, fiction books that you can pick up that are actually fairly prophetic as far as a nefarious plot with what is happening in our political sphere right now. Um, but yeah, so as far as fiction, I actually just re-listened to A Nefarious Plot uh, last month because I bought his new book, A Nefarious Carol, which I haven't listened to yet. Um, but I wanted to re-listen to the first one and, and realize just how good that was. So there's a there's a fiction book recommendation for you. Okay. And uh, why don't I know you have some other uh, podcasts that you do. Why don't you tell everybody where they can find your stuff, Right. So everything that I do can be found at the Evangelical Norm on YouTube. Uh, that's my channel over there. Just look me up on YouTube, the Evangelical Norm. There's four podcasts that I do. Specifically, one, uh, let me tell you, which is just politics. It really, it's just you know current events and stuff like that. I'm actually going to be dropping an episode of that this afternoon. Um, and then uh, the Master's Dog which is uh, based off of a Calvin quote, uh, dog barks when his master is attacked, I would be a coward if God's truth is attacked and yet remain silent. That is just dealing with false teachers and stuff like that. And so um, I deal with a lot of Mormonism stuff on there, but I do a false teacher of the week and stuff like that. So that's the second podcast. The third one I do, which is starting up here again, um, the fifth seal, which is all about uh, the persecuted church uh, throughout the year, I will count down from the top 50 countries on open doors, USA's world watch list where persecution is the worst for Christians. We'll share some stories about what is happening around the world in the church where Christians are being persecuted. And then we hit prayer points for that day's particular country and, uh, and then pray. I actually pray in the podcast for awesome. that country. So um, that's the fifth seal. That's actually the podcast I've been doing the longest. Um, okay. It used to just be called Persecuted Church Awareness Month. So I took it upon myself 10 years ago to make November Persecuted Church Awareness Month because I didn't know who to go to to make that kind of thing official. So I said, okay, I'm going to do, and I started doing every day through the month of November, I did stories about persecution in the church. And then I started counting down the world watch list, the top 30 countries. And I said, you know what, I'm going to do this year round from, from January through November. So twice a month from January to October, I do two countries. And then November again, I do every single day. I do a country on uh, the world watch list and count that down. So, and then unsolicited is, is probably my favorite podcast to do because I just get to talk about what I like. And so I do moan, mostly it's Christian hip hop, whenever artists that I like, um, like there's a guy you may have heard of dusty Marshall. Um, <laughs> I've, I've reviewed a couple of his albums and some videos, um, but you know, whenever somebody that I really like comes out, if it's a bad album and I just didn't like it, I usually leave it alone. I'm not that guy that wants to drag somebody through the mud and just criticize them for criticism's sake. So I'm, 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 I try to be a, a Barnabas and, and encourage people when they've done something really that has blessed me. So that's the most part I'm getting into doing some movies and stuff like that. I may actually start doing like a review of the Mandalorian and mm. Cobra Kai and stuff. And, but there are some Christian movies that I actually want to do reviews of that have come out over the last six months that I just haven't had a chance to get to. Um, and so that's unsolicited. That's probably my favorite podcast to do because it's, it's more of just an upbeat. This is what I like 
kind of thing. And then I get to like live in my little world. It gives me an excuse to like really, really listen to some of these new uh, CHH albums that come out. I'm like, okay, I'm going to do a review of this. So um, yeah. I'm not the guy that will listen to it once and then jump on and go, man, this was it. I, I will listen. You know, it took me six months to do a review of Kurt Kennedy's The Appendix because okay. I was like, I don't even know if I've got the basic gist of this album yet and yeah. uh but then there are some i'll take i'll listen to it for two three weeks before i do a review because i'm not i'm not just that guy that goes yeah okay it was this i want to really know what was in it and stuff like that so so is there any albums that you would recommend somebody go and check out if they're in the christian hip-hop and they want to hear some sound theological stuff? absolutely right now um you know as far as like uh lyrical theology kind of stuff. There's an album that was just released by Regenerate and Doctrinal from Christcentric called The Flying Scroll. Um, uh, but then some other stuff that, that it's not necessarily lyrical theology. It's not, it's not Shy Lynn giving right. you like a, a seminary education in yeah. an album, but uh, Stract uh, just released an album called The Beat Goes On. Um, a couple months back and that, I mean, it's just, he, there, he has two trilogies of songs in there. One is basically his testimony of the hearing a guy preaching the gospel and being convicted and then getting saved. Um, that's called good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. And then there's another trilogy. sounds familiar to me for some reason. And, and yeah, there's another trilogy that I can't remember the names of all three songs. It's, it's. I, I wish I could remember it's something and it's dark. So it might be light something, but it's essentially just a story of abuse of okay him enduring sexual abuse as a child. And, and what's that? How, how do you go ahead? How God dealt with him through that. And I've, I've actually, I've got to pull it up so I can give the, the titles to these songs. And how do you spell his name? His name is Stract S T R A C T. Okay. Okay. And the album is is the beat goes on, but it's the dark. It's the invitation, the dark, and the grace. Okay. Um, is the second trilogy on there? But then he's got some just some really fun songs on there. There's a a song called "The Beat Goes On." There's a song called "Mask Off," um, which has you know a little bit of a a dual uh, interpretation with everything went on with the coronavirus, but also you know taking our masks off as Christians and so mm -hmm. on. So. That was pretty good. And then Kurt Kennedy just dropped an album last month called Reporting Live. And it is, I mean, it's the soundtrack. I thought C4, his album that he did a couple years ago, was the soundtrack of our political sphere. But Reporting Live was intentionally made to be that. It, okay. is, it just, you know, everything that kind of went down in 2020 and stuff like that, he, he kind of put it together. There's some, um, you almost have to say there's explicit lyrics. He does a a song dealing with the N word and the usage of it. So it's there. Okay. Um, you know, I mean, if you're a, if you're somebody that's been into hip hop for a long time, you're used to hearing that song <laughs> from secular. And even, I mean, there are even some Christian artists, uh, you know, gospel gangsters back in the day, sure. um, Mr. Solo and Chili that, that use that, um, uh, you know, seven and a lot yeah. of the guys from hog mob will still yeah. throw that in some of their lyrics. And, you know, sometimes it makes me cringe, but 
sometimes it's like, okay, I can understand. So, but again, it's a song you don't want to be playing while your four-year-old is in the back okay. of the truck that repeats everything she hears. Um, so, yeah. but I mean, that just another really, really good album. And it, it's kind of dealing with current events and stuff like that. But there is some solid theology packed in to those songs as well. The gospel is, is not ignored um, for the sake of entertainment. So, awesome. so those would be the, the CHH albums I'd, I'd recommend. And there's a whole lot of stuff uh, getting ready to come out in the near future from guys from Christ centric wrath and grace uh, infantry, stuff like that. So. Awesome. Awesome, man. Well, thanks for sharing that. And I know people, if you want to go check out uh, some of Norm's podcasts, he's giving you the information for that. I just want to share one last thing before we end the podcast. On January 22nd here in Arizona, we're going to be doing a rally for life at the state Capitol building. Um, Walt Blackman, uh, legislative representative Walt Blackman here in the state is introducing the Life at Conception Act, which is going to criminalize abortion from conception. So if you can make it out on January 22nd at uh, 11 a.m. at the Capitol building, uh, we'd love to have your support. Uh, Apologia Church and End Abortion Now is going to be putting on a rally. Uh, Jeff, Pastor Jeff Durbin will be preaching and speaking and uh, uh, Representative Blackman will be out there. So we need to show our support. If you truly stand for life and you stand for the preborn, over 62 million babies have been murdered in our nation since Roe v. Wade. We need this ended and our states have the power to uh, make law that uh, criminalizes abortion and actually criminalizes those who commit the act. So if you would come out uh, and be in part of it, January 22nd, 11 a.m. state capitol, we'd love to see you there. And uh, if you truly stand for life, come on out and show your support and join uh, the body of Christ coming together. The gospel will be preached and uh, we will be supporting Representative Blackman. Uh, and that's also put on by Red State Reform and Action for Life. So you can check them out by Googling Red State Reform, Action for Life. And uh, yeah, this has been uh, Reform Dads and we're grateful for you guys tuning in. Anything you want to leave them with? No, just, yeah, get out there for that rally. I wish I could make it down there, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to be able to get down there this month. I was going to try, but flights are expensive and and I got to work. So, All right. um, but yeah, but if you can get down there, support that and support ministries that are, are doing some stuff, you know, I mean, I just had a conversation the other day about not making your thing, everybody's thing, but there are things we can do. If you can't get out to an abortion meal and share the gospel and do that, then prayerfully support these, these uh, organizations that are end abortion now. And if you can financially support, even if it's just a small amount of $5 a month or something, if you can, you know, Irregular for Christ Ministries, End Abortion Now, um, any of those ministries that are, are focused in that are truly, and, and again, I, may, I, I choose my words specifically that are truly pro-life because a lot of those pro-life organizations out there are not pro-life. But these, these organizations that are absolutely for the abolition of abortion, support yeah. those, support yeah. those ones, find those ones, support them and not just the, the national right to life stuff that that money is not going to anything good. 
So Yes. And if you want to be equipped to speak biblically about abortion, you want to know what the Bible has to say and you want to know um, how you can get involved or you even want to just be able to speak uh, with your loved ones or those around you and let them know what the Bible has to say about abortion. You can go to our ministry web- website, which is irregularforchrist.com, irregular, the number four christ.com all one word uh and we have free resources on you that on there that will equip you to speak biblically about abortion you can download you can use and uh, at the end of it you'll be able to speak with someone about what the bible has to say about abortion and you should be equipped to rescue babies so go there and uh get the free resources that we have but uh this has been our podcast for this week and hopefully we'll be doing this more often uh, God bless you and thank you for tuning in. I don't understand, I don't understand. I'm running with the fam, yeah, I love the fam. And we gon' start a one that's from up above. And they gon' know it's us by the way we love. All my brothers and sisters and all my mothers and fathers. And we gon' worship the Father and we gon' drown in this water. All my brothers and sisters and all my mothers and fathers. And we gon' worship the Father and we gon' drown in this water. Family, family, family. Christ up one time for my whole family. Family, 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 Christ up one time for